0: Good morning.
1: You're just in time.
0: Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement.
2: Let's start our day
3: together.
0: Great to have you with us. Good morning. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn.
3: And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show.
0: Cameron Clutter, as always, is our faithful barista, and today in the cafe, we're going to be talking about Catholic social teaching with our two friends, Mark Huddy, Director for Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Columbus Diocese, and Mr. Kelly Henderson, the President and CEO of Catholic Social Services of Columbus. Good morning, Amanda. Good
3: morning, Dave.
0: How are you?
3: I'm doing quite well. Shall we pray?
0: Let's do it.
3: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen.
4: Hmm.
3: Lord, we praise you and we thank you for yet another day. For your goodness, for your blessings, for your graces, for all the ways that you are leading us and guiding us and loving us and sustaining us. Lord, we ask that you give us humble hearts, hearts to know and love you. Hearts to serve you, especially through your people. Lord, eyes to see the needs of others and hearts to love your people more. Mm -hmm. And especially hands that serve. To put that love into action through our very actions. We ask for your help and your guidance to love well. We offer this through the intercession of Mary and in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. How was your evening?
3: Oh, it was quite lovely. I went to a Taco Tuesday with some friends, so that was fun. Actually, this- What did you have? (laughs) Tacos. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There were were chips and other things involved. Um, But I appreciate that this friend actually makes an intentional- Wanting to buy, invite his Catholic friends, but also just his, his friends from work or from high school, just to kind of bring everyone together. And yeah.
0: Is this every Tuesday or? Uh, well, this is the first this? one
3: I've gone to, mm-hmm. but I I don't know how often they do it. Maybe once a month, maybe.
0: Very nice. Yeah, it was lovely. Just have that face-to-face fellowship. Yeah. Amen. And I made Very some new good.
3: friends, so that was great.
0: Mm-hmm. And, good <laughs> and good tacos.
3: Yeah, And good tacos. Yeah.
0: I made it to one of the large box stores. I don't think I'll name which one.
3: A box store?
0: Yeah, you know, like, okay, Sam's Club, Costco, you know, <laughs> those, those big. And there's Got a new it. one in, in town, too, I guess. But, uh, uh, yeah, picked up a pot pie. So mm. we had uh, the Orsborns that are still in central Ohio mm-hmm. all together for a meal. And, yeah, it was very nice.
3: That does sound nice.
0: And just kind of hung out and... Enjoyed warm comfort food.
3: Mm. Popeye is one of my favorite comfort foods, actually. Yeah, it's a a fave.
0: And it was a big (laughs) one. So this evening after men's group, and I have my holy hour. So holy hour, then men's group, and then leftovers. There you
3: go. Sounds good. Sounds good.
0: (laughs) Hey, today's gospel is uh, Mark. Uh, We're in chapter three, verses one through six, and it's Very nicely connected to our conversation that we're going to have with Mark and Kelly today. So may I read?
3: Yeah, please.
0: So uh, Mark uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they may accuse him. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent. Looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death.
3: Yeah, what stood out to you, Dave?
0: Jesus took care of what was in who was in front of him, mm-hmm. and that was the most important thing. It wasn't, you know, should I do this on the Sabbath? You know, what what does the what does the law say? You know, am I permitted to do this? He, Right. He took care of the man that was in front of him who was suffering and just took care of it.
3: Right. Actually, that makes me think about in our everyday lives when we see people with a need and all these questions start going through our head of like, oh, I I don't know if I should approach them or do they actually need my help or do I have time? You know, all those different questions that can get in the way when, I mean, this example here, there was a need and mm-hmm. he met it.
0: Yeah, is it appropriate to do good?
3: It's always appropriate to do
5: <laughs> good, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, Cam.
5: I was just thinking about that's not even the question the Pharisees are asking to mm. to themselves. They're like they're trying to convict Jesus on whether or not he does work on the Sabbath and I, and I think one of the things one of the things that the Lord draws out of this situation is like who cares if it's work or not? you know that this is not a matter of work or rest this is a matter of like you know helping this man or not (laughs) right and and really just like turns that around it always my it reminds me of my dad actually so my dad's not catholic he's christian um and but a a really just very loving and christ-like man and and he always tries to take moments to stop for people when he sees me uh like need or help and one of my favorite moments that happens actually quite often to him he's a deer hunter a big deer hunter and anytime he sees guys who are like dragging a deer out of the woods he'll like pull his truck over on the side of the road and go running off into the woods to help him drag their deer back out because I mean it, it's heavy and it's hard and um they're probably exhausted because they've been in the woods all day and um it's just like so funny and simple to me but it's never a matter for my dad of like Is it work? Do I feel rested enough for this or anything like that? But he really just sees a moment to uh, help a neighbor Mm -hmm. in that way and, and throws himself into it.
0: It's easy to fall into selfishness, you know, in, in situations like that. Well, I have a place to be, I have this going on, I need to, I have an appointment, whatever, but um, that, that's treating people's needs as interference and, that, obviously I mean that that's not the right disposition to have you see somebody in need you see somebody that well, I mean carrying groceries you know through the parking lot mm-hmm. or helping somebody read a label yeah, I mean it just is some really simple things it's just to be aware of what's happening around you mm-hmm. and and welcome that you know don't treat it as an interruption or as an interference but just welcome that opportunity to uh, to be with somebody.
3: Right. Another part of this passage, actually, that struck me for the first time is that Jesus called him to come up, the man with the withered hand, come up here. And I've never thought about the withered man's disposition until, you know, the, the phrase come up struck me in this passage when we just read it, because it also takes a someone willing to receive, right? Mm-hmm. And... know, I just know in my own life when there have been times that I, I see someone who seems like they might need help. And yet a lot of times we can be people who like, no, I'm okay. Right. Um, but there's this beautiful dynamic of, of both giving and receiving. And, and I've in those examples, in those moments that I've experienced that it's just taught me to be, okay, be someone who also allows others to help me. Um, so that struck me today too.
0: Boy, that's hard sometimes, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: To admit that, uh, that you're the person that needs help.
3: Yeah. And I, it reminds me actually of this story of, um, th- these sisters were telling me they were out there shoveling, you know, the, the driveway of their convent and someone comes up to offer them help. And they really wanted the sacrifice, right? They're just like, no, we're going to get through this. We're okay, no problem, and sent him on his way. And it wasn't until later that the Holy Spirit convicted them of, well, what if that was his opportunity for sacrifice, the grace that he needed mm-hmm. for part of his own salvation? And that just really struck me because it's like, wow, when I don't allow others to, to help me, I might be denying them the graces they need.
5: And on the flip side, too, if we, if we come back to that, like first side of that point that when we see the people that the Lord puts in front of us that need help and specifically need our help are we allowing ourselves to receive those graces we always used to talk when I lived as a missionary up at Damascus Catholic Mission Campus um in the guys house we always used to talk about the the grace of doing the dishes and if you don't do your dishes the other guys in the house would would steal your graces as it were <laughs> because they would wash your dishes for you and obviously like if you were busy and and running around and stuff like that there's it, we didn't like shame one another for doing it but it really put it in perspective for me all the time when you get to the dishes and there's like you know six coffee mugs there and i put a seventh one i'm like well actually i do have time for all this grace lord and thank you for like providing me that opportunity
3: yeah yeah I love that how you turned it also into an opportunity of gratitude Mm. because sometimes you can be like, oh, man, I should probably do this versus like, oh, thank you, Lord. That's a that's a big
5: difference. My wife would say I need to pick that habit back up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the family is a great place to experience those those uh, those graces. Yeah. you know, it's not my job. You know, to pick up that uh that sock on the floor or that uh leaf that came in with me from outdoors. You know, is laying there in the middle of the kitchen floor. It's you know, yeah. Just take a moment
6: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and help each other. So, looking forward to today's show, and I think uh, this gospel is a nice uh, setup for our conversation. We're going to be back in just a couple minutes with uh, Kelly Henderson, the President and CEO of Catholic Social Services, and Mr. Mark Huddy, the Director for Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Columbus Diocese. Stay with us.
6: My Jesus, before you ascended into heaven, you prayed that we would all be one, as you and your Father are one. But today, Lord, we seem more divided than ever. We are divided over political beliefs, gender, religion, ethnicity, color, and economic status. It is a division that cuts deeply, even through our closest relationships. You have warned us, Lord, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Help me to remember that You are the cornerstone of this house, that Your precepts, not ours, are the path to everlasting joy. Empower me with your grace to be an agent of healing and a proclaimer of truth and hope to this troubled world, one heart at a time. Armed with your sacred word, the sacraments, and the wisdom of the saints, you have given me everything I need to make a difference. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen.
2: Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of foresight is seen in St. John Bosco. He lived foresight heroically by seeing the needs of young people who were falling into sin. He dedicated himself to guiding them away from evil and into new ways of life. He rejected the use of harsh punishment in disciplining youth because he saw that this was not effective. But instead, he directed young people with love and trust, winning many of them over to Christ. Let us ask St. John Bosco to pray for us, that we may grow in foresight. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com
1: I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. It's funny how the Holy Spirit sends you a thought, inspiration, or even just a word that you have to take to prayer to try to figure out how to respond. For me recently, the word was haste. I see haste in a positive way, especially as it relates to the three kings and the shepherds, making haste to meet the newborn King Jesus in Bethlehem at his birth. In the visitation, we see Mary move with haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth, to care for her and to share her joy of the impending birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We can infer haste in Jesus urging his disciples to go forth, evangelize, and carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Let us pray. Jesus, help us to rise up with courage to pray, discern, and share the gospel message with holy haste, amen. Welcome back,
3: friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: I'm Dave Orsborn, and joining us now in the cafe, Mark Cuddy, the Director for Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Columbus Diocese, and Kelly Henderson, the President and CEO of Catholic Social Services of Columbus. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Honored to be here.
7: great to be here.
0: So, you guys... uh, we're here when we were going through the the gospel,
4: and Kelly, you made the comment that uh, words matter. And Absolutely, and I think Cam used the word neighbor, mm-hmm. and if we think about it, there's some rich, deep biblical roots in the word neighbor. Um, you know, our our call to to love God and love neighbor, and I think that really ties closely to the work at Catholic Social Services. It ties to our Christian vocation as how do we be better neighbors and how do we. How do we be present with our neighbors? And, and who is my neighbor? Ah, that's a great question. <laughs> we're all neighbors. Ah. We meet people where they are, um, but they meet us where we are too. And that encounter makes uh, creates an opportunity to go somewhere new if we're open to it. Mm.
7: Benedict, I think, says in Deus Caritas, Est that our neighbor is anyone who approaches us in need.
6: Mm.
0: I, I just think about the neighborhood where i grew up and in just that word neighborhood right i mean it's we all knew each other uh cared for each other looked out for each other especially with a lot of boys in the neighborhood of a certain age that needed looked after <laughs> by by neighbors yeah, we were never out of somebody's eyesight <laughs> and uh yeah, just some experiences of, uh I mean, of just knowing that people cared enough. Really, I mean, sometimes you know, yeah, if you're doing something that you don't want to be seen, then you hear about it when you get home in the evening. But more than that, it it was just it was it was just a large family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, essentially, and mowing lawns and shoveling sidewalks for each other, you know, in the winter, um, just brought back a nice memory of, uh, of caring for each other. Mm -hmm. We wanted to talk about, uh, Catholic social teaching with you gentlemen this morning. The, and I'm looking at a list of the seven principles of Catholic social teaching and right at the top mark is the life and dignity of the human person.
7: It's not a mistake where it's placed. Mm -hmm. So Um, you know, whether you call it life and dignity or you call it the sacred, sacredness and dignity of human life or how you express that, it's seen as the cornerstone principle of Catholic social teaching, a principle that actually is a kind of umbrella principle over the other six that follow it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, this, this week actually we're celebrating the March for life. Uh, so. Actually, after I leave here today, I'm on the road to D.C. Um, There's a contingent from the diocese that will be there. Um, I think we have about 300 students that are coming from our high schools and other places. So it should be um, a very good time to show that despite what happened to us in November, Mm -hmm. uh, we're still caring about the dignity of every human life from conception to natural death. And, and
0: legislation or a court decision never changes.
7: <laughs> you know, doesn't change the underlying
0: our... fact, the underlying truth of the, the dignity uh, of the human person. Actually that doesn't disappear.
7: No, not at all. And you know that, that principle is really derived from an understanding that we're created in God's image by a God who loves us. Mm. Um, and uh, so you know we're called to, to live out that image of God that we are made to be.
0: Mark Huddy, the Director of Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Diocese of Columbus. Kelly Henderson, the President and CEO of Catholic Social Services of Columbus. So the seven principles, I'll just go through them really quickly. Um, The life and dignity of the human person, the call to family, community, and participation, the rights and responsibilities, option for the poor and the vulnerable, the dignity of work and the right of workers, solidarity, and care for God's creation. Solidarity, mm. Kelly, um, mm. gets to the point that we're all in one family.
4: We're, we're all neighborhoods, neighbors, part of the same neighborhood. We are. We're, <clears throat> excuse me. We're all one family. We're all neighbors. But solidarity if the dignity of the human person is the the umbrella principle that guides catholic social teaching i think solidarity is the one that we have to work at more okay you know solidarity uh, is the one that we have to to find ways to fully embrace because we we often find ways to disagree i may not agree with you your choices your lifestyle who you are where you're from but we can agree that we're neighbors and we can agree that we should lean into what that means, um, but it's hard. You know, I, on the last, last segment I was on with you, we talked about uh, love Mm -hmm. and how hard love is sometimes. And, you know, we start with kindness perhaps to lean into love. Uh, But I think solidarity is difficult too, because we have to, we have to walk together. We have to accompany each other instead of doing things to and for another, we have to walk with another. And that means we, you know, we're going together and as messy as that can be in the human condition, but it's also an opportunity for, to experience God's grace in a special way.
7: I think, you know, following on what Kelly said there, I think, you know, solidarity as a principle is the way we live out the first principle, that understanding of the, uh, sacredness and dignity of every human life. And so if we, To quote uh, John Paul II, John Paul II in um, his encyclical called On Social Concern, said something like this. I will probably misquote it, but bear with me on it. He said that solidarity is not a sense of vague compassion or um, kind of a, a shallow sadness about the misfortunes of others it is a firm and persevering commitment to the good of all and to the good of each. And so what he was trying to get to in that statement was that we are responsible for all. And I think that's what we lose sight of in, in, sometimes in our life, you know? There are, there are groups sometimes that we, we struggle to be responsible. I think immigration is an issue that is one of those issues in our time today. Um, You know, we saw what happened in in Texas at the border, and, you know, Texas is reacting against the needs of immigrants. Certainly we can argue that there may be a, a more orderly system that might address that. But just as we heard in the gospel today, when we're presented with somebody in need, we ought to respond to that need. And I think that's what Kelly's organization, Catholic Social Services, does. That's what we try to do in our work in terms of advocacy and and helping people is to respond to those needs when they are presented to us.
3: Mark, I appreciate that you use the word responsible. And I'm hoping you can help me flesh that out because... You know, you're presenting it as not just this vague, oh, I ought to do this, but more of a, actually, this is almost, I'm responsible for a typical response or a certain type of response.
7: You know, again, uh, using John Paul as an example in Evangelium Vitae, he talks about that, and, you know, he uses the example of of Cain and Abel. And, you know, Cain asked the question, you know, am I my bro- brother's keeper? and john paul tells us in that encyclical that we are our brothers and sisters keepers so the responsibility is again if we go back to benedict and his understanding of of neighbor a neighbor is someone who who comes to us in need uh and we have a responsibility to try as best we can to respond to that need i think that's very challenging sometimes I think there's times that we look at a situation and we say, I don't know where I can intervene in this situation to to make any headway, so to speak. Um, I had a um, couple, actually, that came into my office many years ago. Um, and um, it was an American girl, and it was a foreign student, actually, from Africa who was studying at the DeVry Institute. And he had run out of money in his last year of of school. And if he couldn't go through that last semester, he would have to go back. And he would never have completed his degree. And so they came in, they told me what they needed and I thought, my goodness, I, I have no idea how to respond to this situation. You know, I don't have resources that I can bring to bear on this. And so I listened to them I said I'm not sure what can be done here you know I'll try to stay in touch you know um, made no promises and when they left my office I I literally heard in my mind God say to me as I'm saying Lord what can I do here I, I don't don't know how to respond he said just try mm. and so I ended up making some calls I called the Catholic Foundation and They worked with some people that they had donors. And and we actually raised the, I think it was like $5,000 that he needed to finish his semester. And it was, you know, again, not because of me, it was simply that when we're presented with those situations, the just try is we allow God
4: to to bring a solution to those situations. Mm -hmm. And that's really the the beauty of solidarity as well mark is we try together we work it out together Mm. um you know there's it's a bit of a cliche and the better together it's is so true and in our work at catholic social services and our and our work as as people in the world just trying to trying to help our neighbors when we're meeting people in those spaces of brokenness and there's an opportunity for god to offer grace to offer innovation to offer courage the things that we need to to try to figure this thing out because it's tough it's hard life is hard um and we shouldn't try to figure it out all together like you were talking about with the earlier amanda with the sisters and shoveling snow Mm -hmm. you know it's it's very um it's very important for us to be vulnerable and as being a neighbor um, and being willing to say, okay, I'm going to help you today because I may need you to help me tomorrow. but That's not the reason we do it. We do it because it's the right thing to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Actually, <clears throat> before I really had gotten into my faith and I didn't I, yeah, think about, I guess, service to others too much um, prior to maybe my conversion, and I had made a friend who I was asking her what she was going to do over the weekend, and she's like, oh, I might... I might go serve at a soup kitchen, or I like to go. And she was talking about all these service things that she did, and I don't know. It was a great moment for me of just, oh wow! Like I have a friend who who really takes the initiative to do these things, and it was a great example for me. And so I said, but I had I I wasn't coming from a place up there yet, and so I just asked her. I said, well, why do you do that? Why do you spend your free time doing that? And I think one because she does have a great heart, but. Her response was also, well, because it makes me feel good. And as someone you know, grappling with that, I in in myself was thinking, huh, that seems nice, but it doesn't seem complete. And Mark, that seem uh, Kelly, that seems like what you're getting at here is we don't do it maybe necessarily just for ourselves, right? this It's Absolutely. not because we get something out of it or they're going to give us something from it, right?
4: Right. We do it. It's, it's the right thing to do. Mark used a quote from uh, St. John Paul II on, from, on Social Concern. The end of that quote is he says that we are all really responsible for all. And then Benedict echoes that as well in, in Charity and Truth. And he says that the work that we do is for the good of all of us, individuals, families, groups who come together as society. And then we hear from Francis, and so this is the consistency of our church Mm -hmm. teaching, which is just beautiful. That's right. We hear from Francis that says that we're now in a period of society where there's a sense of belonging to a single human family that is fading. He says we have this indifference globally, but we have to realize that we're all in the same boat. It's just a beautiful consistency in our church teaching that just flows is that solidarity um, is not this social construct that we've created, um, to, as an academic exercise, mm-hmm. solidarity is how we live our faith and walk in with each other. And there's consistency for uh, 130 years now in church teaching.
0: Yeah. Kelly Henderson, uh, president and CEO of Catholic social services of Columbus, Mark Huddy, the director of Catholic charities and social concerns for the diocese of Columbus make an important point around solidarity. Uh, Kelly, that Um, these are people to be loved and um, Dear Wife sent me a text. They're not problems to be solved. You know, these are people to be loved and if we stop at ideologies or these social constructs and approach um, these problems, so to speak, as just problems to be solved then it's so easy to lose sight very quickly of these are people you know that that yeah I mean you have programs you have laws you have policy but if you're just wrapped up in an ideology or in a solution you lose sight very quickly that these are people that need help
7: which goes back to why I said that solidarity is the way we live out the principle of the sacredness and dignity of every human life. Mm -hmm. So if we really recognize that, if we really believe that then solidarity is a natural consequence of that belief. You know, it's interesting. I think it's also, uh, tied to the Eucharist. So, um,
0: Bring it home.
7: Okay. Um, I, I'm a server. And mm-hmm. so um, we have returned to the practice, at least in some sometimes some places, after Mass, come back in into the sacristy, and the priest says, proset. And the response is pro omnibus et singalis. So proset essentially means, may it profit us. And then pro omnibus et singalis means, for the good of all and the good of each. Mm. Or for all and each, actually, is a better translation. So uh, if we think about solidarity as being that principle that we're, we're focused on the common good, the common good which is the good of all and the good of each, that is a real echo of what Jesus has done for us in the Eucharist.
4: And I think I think it's a beautiful point that you just made, Mark. And I was thinking through the incarnation, but the Eucharist is the extension of that as throughout throughout history. Um I think it's also important for us to really be able to talk about solidarity and how we walk together as neighbors, um, in a broad Christian context as well. Um, there are many people that we're gonna engage in life who are not part of our Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. And so how do we meet people where they are and and create those points of conversation that lead us to deeper discussion and, and in a way evangelization um, as how we as we disciple together. And so understanding that, you know, solidarity is also all throughout the Bible. And I've got a lot of dear friends, Protestant friends, who always ask me the question, Well, show me that in the Bible. Well, I can't pick the word solidarity out of the Bible but I can probably pick about two dozen scripture references to right. talk about being better together and walking together as neighbors. Uh, all the way back to, to the Old Testament and the law in Leviticus, You know, we, we hear in Leviticus 25, what you own belongs to the Lord and is given for the good of all. Mm. Okay, we just talked about that. And then you hear in, in the gospel, my commandment to love one another as I've loved you, and, and we hear in Matthew that blessed are peacemakers as they're called children of God, we're all children of God. You know, we, we walk together. We may not always agree, and we may have to agree to disagree, but where we can come together is in what it means to be good neighbors and be together in a very difficult time and move forward in hope and courage. I think solidarity leads us uh, in that approach.
0: Am I gonna be the first one to mention Mother Teresa? In this? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I, you just I think you did. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there, there's an example, right, uh, of being immersed in, in, a, in a culture, in, a, in a, uh, a community with a lot of differences. I mean, the Catholics were the minority um, in, in Calcutta, and that never got in the way of her serving and loving the people that were right in front of her. Not that they needed to be Catholic or, or Christian. It, she was doing it because she was a Christian. And, and that's what we do. And she wasn't uh, a criticism that was made of Mother Teresa quite often was, well, you're not getting at the root causes. You're not, you're not um, solving the problems. And her point was always, no, but I'm loving the person that's in front of me. And that's the most important person. The most important thing
4: christ was always completely present with everyone that he encountered in his earthly ministry and i think that we're called to be present as well and to do what's necessary to, to love neighbor i had a, a wonderful opportunity to, to have a christmas lunch with some of our senior companions uh, one of the programs that we have at catholic social services is we pair seniors with other seniors who are living in social isolation so that they can have purpose and community. And, and many times as they advance in age, they, they become homebound. And I, I sat at a table of uh, Russian Jewish refugees who came here in the fall of the Soviet Union, and they live in the same building. And they work together um, to hold each other up. And, and one of the, the women uh, that I, that I had lunch with, we'll call her Maria. She, um, she shared a story of how she is the one in the building that gets the call when one of their neighbors passes away
5: mm-hmm.
4: and she's asked for that job. And I said, explain to me why, you know, why is that important to you? And she says, because I can bear the sadness of that loss so that my neighbors can cope with the loss of their friends. And she goes one by one and talks to her neighbors <clears throat> when one passes away. And, and in that moment, she was, a, she was Christ for me. She was, ex, she was expressing the root of what it means to be a neighbor and love of neighbor, uh, different faith backgrounds, but a deep belief that our job is to bear each other burdens in life and so that we can get through this thing together it was just a beautiful uh, incarnational moment for me and the Christmas Christmas time to to share that with a Russian Jewish refugee Uh, it was just it was just really a blessing
0: we're talking about loving each other with Kelly Henderson the president and CEO of Catholic Social Services Columbus and Mr. Mark Huddy the director of Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Columbus Diocese and Mark, I'm going to slide this in here because I didn't do it at the top of the show. Congratulations on being honored as a Papal Knight of the Equestrian Order of St. Gregory the Great. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's huge, and that that doesn't even fit, like, on a sash. If, if, no, I, mean, do, I don't think it does. Papal <laughs> Knight of the Equestrian Order of St. Gregory the Great. But a, a beautiful honor, and um, folks... You can find it on Facebook, YouTube. I'm sure. Uh, how surprised, how set up Mark was by his family and <laughs> and by his wife and Bishop Fernandez all came to celebrate on Christmas, Christmas right? Day with with this announcement. Is yes. beautiful. Thanks, so, thanks, Dave. Again, I needed I, to slide I, that in there.
7: I can't take <laughs> take that in. Sometimes uh, it's uh, it's still a little unbelievable to me, but um, it was quite a wonderful surprise for christmas
0: mm. well a, a very real example of community coming together to to love one of their neighbors so.
3: actually i do have a question what does it mean to be a knight of the equestrian order
0: well, you get a horse
3: i think
7: no you
0: actually don't get the
7: horse ah. but you get the privilege to ride a horse oh okay at the, st. in st peter's so uh that's one of the privileges are you serious yeah that's true so but you call ahead. It's, it's B-Y-O-H. Bring your own horse. <laughs> oh, but you're so you allowed to ride a
6: horse That's there. right. How do you get a horse through customs? <laughs> Maybe there's a, there's a rental plan.
0: Oh, man, that's worth sending you to Rome. Just to, <laughs> uh, Yeah.
7: <laughs> well, I, apparently I will need both horseback riding lessons and
0: swordsmanship <laughs>
7: lessons. So uh, mm-hmm. the uh, official uniform also has a sword, it looks like.
0: I digress. (laughs) Can we talk um, subsidiarity and how that whole concept maybe start, if if one of you gentlemen could please define subsidiarity for us, but then how does that fit in? Because there's that um, love those, serve those that are closest to to us, right? But not losing sight of the greater, the common good.
4: Well, subsidiarity does, does play off of the theme of solidarity as well. And in, in getting closer to the challenge that we face together, we also involve those that perhaps uh, are in greatest need and part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, in, in our work particularly at, at Catholic Social Services and, and just general, general um, social support programs, it's very easy for us to prescribe what we think people need. Um, we can define what we think success should look like for, for a neighbor in need. But the reality is, is we need to ask, and we need to get involved and say, what does success look like for you? What are your hopes? What are your dreams? And how do we work together to accomplish those? Because your hopes and dreams are not my hopes and dreams. But together we can, we can craft the, this thing. So subsidiarity really involves our neighbors in, um, in being, being a part of the solution. Instead mm-hmm. of us just forcing what we think the solution should be upon them, and that's tough. So
0: now, with Catholic um, Social Services, you took a step back. You looked at the community at, at Columbus. You talked to the people in the community, both you know in, in inside Catholic Social Services, but then community members, community leaders, and identified. You listened to them and identified priorities for this coming year. Right. To and to how to best serve. The needs of uh, those in Columbus. And I think
4: you're referencing to a listening tour that I just wrapped up, which this group is a part of, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I just wrapped up a uh, hundred days of listening and talking with over 250 people in multiple counties throughout the Diocese of Columbus to ask questions like Who are we to you? Who is Catholic Social Services to you? What do we do well? Where can we improve? And most importantly, where. Could or should we be in the community together, um, and that's going to inform our future. Mm-hmm. I think we have to pause and listen, and we have to pause and take the uh, the advice and counsel of the communities where we serve. If we're going to to be uh, in those communities for the long term, we're going to be welcome and invited in those communities, and we're gonna. And, and it's important for us to be impactful in those communities, and effective in those communities. We have to listen, and we have to pause and that was an important part of my onboarding as getting to know the community is tell me a little bit about who we are to you. Mm -hmm. Or organizationally that
0: that's such a big difference. Often organizations can say we have these resources, you know, human and financial, um, and this is what we're going to do. This is what we can do rather than listening and finding out what needs to be done. And then, either coming up with the resources or allocating the resources to to address certain problems.
7: So what Kelly has done is actually modeled the accompaniment that Francis describes because the first step of the accompaniment process Mm -hmm. is to listen. And so Francis has used, I believe, uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus as a kind of keystone understanding of what accompaniment looks like. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus comes up to them, he, he says, Hey, what are you guys talking about? As if he didn't know, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and so they say, well, you've got to be the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened over these last few days. And he's like, well, what things are those? And, and so he listens and then he doesn't berate them for their answer. He walks with them, he begins to talk with them and explain to them some things they don't understand. And that opens up that opportunity for encounter. And so really what, what Kelly's doing with his listening tour is the listening stage so that, again, um, there can be, through the work of Catholic social services, an encounter with Jesus. Now. That may not be recognized directly as that encounter with Jesus, but that's, that's really what Catholic social services is all
4: about. It's essentially what it is, is those encounters is where we see Christ in the face of others, and yes. in return we hope they see Christ in our faces. Well, it's very incarnational, as yes. we were talking earlier. Uh, and I love the Emmaus story. It's one of my favorites, actually. It was in uh, someone popped in my office yesterday, and they noticed there's a blank wall um because i love art and there's a blank wall and i said what's going on here and i said i'm saving up for a print and they said so what print do you want on this wall and i said i want caravaggio's Emmaus supper mm-hmm. that's what i'm saving up for so if there, anyone's got an amazon wish list item <laughs> out there um yeah a simple print would be wonderful but that the story our god is a playful god and surprises us when we least expect it and I think the Emmaus Supper was another reminder in, in, a, in a period of tough darkness and un, unknown future and fear, there was this aha surprise moment where uh, God reminds us that he's always already there, no matter where we are in life. And I think that Emmaus Supper really represents that. Kelly Henderson,
0: President and CEO of Catholic Social Services with Mark Huddy the director of Catholic charities and social concerns for the diocese of Columbus. Are you ready to share uh, Kelly one of your big surprises?
4: Are you still processing the, uh, the hundred wow. days of listening or, uh, you know, I just wrapped up uh, a lot of the review of that data. It's a lot of rich conversations with four questions mm-hmm. asked, uh, by so many people, um, over the last nearly four months. And, uh, one of the, and I think this fits well to what we're talking about today, there was some insights, obviously, in in this state, and I'm still processing it. We'll be sharing it um, with the people that I talked with very soon. One of the things that came out that was not a surprise is the vast majority, nearly 30% of the people that i talked to, view the work of Catholic Social Services as, first and foremost, a ministry. I think that's really important. Now, we're a... We're a a social service agency in the community with eight decades of of service and support, and we're a member of a larger community of support that helps our neighbors in various ways. But to know that our stakeholders and and the people who, these were staff clients, donors, benefactors, volunteers, they see us as a ministry first. I think that's really powerful. We're going to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Explain that. It's important for us to make sure that We understand who we are okay, so that we can be better in the community with the people that we're called to serve and understanding that we are first and foremost a ministry. This is God's work that we're doing, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. Um, Another thing that came out of that conversation also is that people see where we add value in the community through walking with people, that accompaniment whether we're talking about a, a senior that's living in social isolation, a family with children trying to find a better tomorrow, a, a, a non-traditional college student trying to figure out how to, to, to get a better job and, and get a degree. We're walking with and accompanying people where they are in their life. And, and sometimes those places are complex, they're messy, but we're walking together. And I think what was insightful for me is to hear from the people who are important to us that they see us as a ministry and they see where we've at extreme value is walking with people that was inspiring for me and that really will fuel i think where we're going in the future as we're exploring new communities and where we're exploring new new things to do and offer for the communities
7: i want to go back to uh... you're bringing up mother teresa so I
4: takes me a minute
7: to reflect on things. And I was thinking about Mother Teresa and I was thinking about the work that she, she did in, in loving the person that was in front of her. But Mother Teresa also had another dimension to her. If you remember her appearance at the national prayer breakfast, for example,
0: shook things up a bit,
7: shook things up a bit. (laughs) So when we think about Catholic social teaching, we want to think about all the dimensions of that. And so The dimension of charity and love is is critical. In fact, it's it's the most important dimension. But not to be um, sidelined is also the dimension of understanding the justice side, which is there are structures that get created by the individual choices of individual people over time and they become institutionalized So Hmm. it would be what John Paul called structural sin. And an example would would be, you know, what had happened for 50 years with with abortion in this country. Uh, But there are many other examples. Racism is another structural sin that's been institutionalized. So we have a responsibility also to address that side of things. And... Pope Benedict in um, Caritas in Veritate talks about the, um, I, I've got to get this right now, so I have to think about it. So.
0: You're quoting Benedict.
7: Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he says that justice is the primary school of charity. In other words, what he's saying is, as a foundation, we have to address justice. And trying to make sense out of that quotation, I think what he's saying is that unless we give people what belongs to them, we can't make a gift to them of something that belongs to us. And so Mm -hmm. the justice side is recognizing that there are certain things in that principle of rights and responsibilities that belong to people by right. Not because of the Bill of Rights, not because of the Universal Declaration of Rights, but simply because we are created in God's image and the natural law requires that of us. And so if we are committed to Catholic social teaching, then we want to ensure that people have their due. And that's what the justice side is really about. So as we think about Catholic social teaching, we first have to give people what belongs to them, and then we can give people what belongs to us.
4: And that's a process, right? We have to work, we have to work toward that because these structural challenges that we face um, in society and individuals as well um, have been built over time. I had an interesting conversation with someone recently um, about... A, what we use as the term a seat at the table and there, there are some very difficult conversations that are happening um, in society right now and there's a, there's a major division in a lot, of, a lot of areas but I think as people of faith we have to find a way to stay at the table. That's where dialogue can happen. That's where these structural changes and reforms can happen. That's where we can work to reform and rebuild a society that is focused on the common good, that is focused on Um, on Christ and being able to stay at the table sometimes means that we have to we have to agree to disagree those are real challenging conversations because it's just it's a lot easier to take our ball and go home (laughs) it sure is staying at the table
7: requires us to respect those who disagree with us recognizing that they possess the same sacredness and dignity in their lives that we have in ours
4: and how do we and staying at the table, how do we then have the conversations on the things that we can agree on, the things that we can do together, as opposed to getting stuck in the mud on the things that we disagree on? And so that's how we move this dialogue forward. And Francis is, I think, in in, in his pontificate, has really embraced this cultural dialogue. We're in a global context now, and it's a fast society. Everything's Everything's news five minutes ago. And so how do we stay at the table, and how do we have dialogue instead of walking away and 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 refusing refusing to talk about the difficult challenging topics so people of faith we have to stay at the table my friends
7: you know bishop brennan had a had a phrase that i've thought about many times since he was here uh, and he said that jesus meets us where he where we are but he doesn't leave us there (laughs) right so i mean that's really what kelly's talking about in terms of staying at the table We have to meet people where they are, and then together, maybe we can find a path forward.
4: Together, we'll go somewhere new if we're open to it.
0: Kelly Henderson, Mark Huddy here with us in the cafe. We're talking about Catholic social teaching. About five minutes left, the the, the phrase, uh, a seat at the table. We all have our our gifts, our skills, our talents um, to contribute to the common good. mean it may be volunteering at the soup kitchen it may be as a business person lending those talents or as an attorney to make sure that um those that are being treated unjustly receive justice so let's talk about um the responsibility that all of us have to serve as as we're able to And, and I guess I encourage our friends that um to really pray through what what talents we do have to contribute and then find an outlet for for these talents.
4: We just recently read in the gospel last last Sunday about the beginning and the calling of the disciples and Master, where do you where are you staying? And and Jesus' response is always very simple. It's, well, come and see, mm-hmm. or we hear in and and other gospels, follow me. Uh, I think the call to vocation, the call to discipleship, is one that we all universally have as, as part of uh, our baptismal promises is to is to follow and to to strive to to be to to see where the master is leading us. You know, Jesus didn't start handing out job descriptions you know, as he called his disciples, he just said, all right, let's go, follow me, come and see. Uh, and that, that trust that the gifts and graces that we all have been given, um, we may not fully understand those, but they will bear fruit if we're just obedient uh, to the call of Christ is to come and see and to follow me and to try to find a way forward together. I think that's a beautiful part of our, of our uh, our Christianity is as simple it's difficult but it's not complex follow me okay Mm
0: -hmm. three minutes uh, remaining Kelly Henderson Mark Cuddy how can people take that next step whatever it is Uh, begin with prayer discern as you said vocation discern your gifts how the Lord uh, wants you to use them, then what's the next step connecting with uh, Catholic Social Services or with some, all, all the many things that are happening here locally?
4: Well, we would encourage uh, anyone in the community who's looking for an opportunity to serve, to, to reach out to us. And uh, you can reach out to us through our website, colscss.org, or you can just on your favorite search engine, you can uh, look up Catholic Social Services in Columbus, and you'll find us as well. And there's plenty of opportunities there to to get plugged in, but I would encourage people to think about how I can serve at home as well. Um, how do we do a peanut butter drive? How do we do a sock drive mm-hmm. um, at home through my school, through my business, and support uh, a charity of our choice? And if you don't have a charity of choice, we'd love to talk with you at Catholic Social Services about plugging in and, and, and becoming part of our family. But I think a good next step for perhaps all of us is discerning what accompaniment means and how do I accompany literally walking with someone that um, may be a stranger to me, but still my neighbor. Amen, yeah, go ahead, Mark, about uh, one minute.
7: I think sometimes the Lord puts things on our heart too um, in terms of serving a particular group. So for example, our office is involved in the coordination of prison ministry. And we have an opportunity now for uh, people to join a small cohort of uh, folks for foundational training for that ministry.
0: That would be a good topic for a future show. Glory be to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
3: As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be a world without end. Amen.
0: Amen. Kelly and Mark, thanks for being with us in the cafe. We'll see you all tomorrow.